Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Woke Agent. I'm your host, Tiffany Jarvis. I'm a local real estate agent in Lexington, Kentucky. This is the podcast where I talk to my friends in the real estate business about how they run their personal business, their opinions, their outlook on the industry ahead, and just how generally they stay woke in this crazy business. We do so many deals with these people. We never get to know anything about them. I'm here to change that and find out. Uh, My first guest is my actual broker, uh, Christy Gooch. She is the broker and owner of Remax Elite Real Estate. She has three offices in Lexington, Nicholasville, and Richmond. Um, And here we are on Election Day, and she happens to be the next president of Elbar. Hi, Christy. Hi, Tiffany. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Wokerage. The Wokerage. <laughs> Thank you for being part of my Wokerage. Um, so I'm very curious about you, how you got started. You know, a lot of people grow up in the business. Their mom, their grandpa was a realtor. You didn't really come from that. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you found this business? Well... Let's see. All the way back into 1999, <laughs> um, I was a single mom, and I realized that if there was going to be any future for me and my daughter, that I would have to do something very um, risky, adventurous. and um, So what were you doing before? Before, I worked at Winn-Dixie. And I was the floral department manager making a whopping (coughs) $6.10 an hour. (laughs) I've been there. I've been there. So that was, you know, high dollar (laughs) income there. But um, we, um, it's actually, I wasn't a single mom. I take that back. I had just gotten married. Um, But I had Elizabeth before I got married. And I just had this strong desire to, to grow my family in a way that my family didn't. And, you know, just... Go beyond. Are you? Was this here in Lexington? Where mm-hmm. are you from, Lexington? I'm originally from Somerset, Kentucky. Okay, uh, but I or actually Whitley County, which nobody which is knows. my county. Yeah, that's no, my county. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> nobody really knows it, but I'm glad you do. Um, and then we moved to Lexington, Nicholasville, when I was like five or six. So okay. I've been from there since then. So you you decide you're going to be a real estate agent. Did you have any sales experience or you were like, you know, I'm just really, I'm good with people. I'm just going to do this thing. I just jumped in head first, ankle deep and said, I'm going to do it. So you were, you were a realtor. You were under a broker. Mm-hmm. Um, you were selling real estate. I'm assuming you did quite well because you, you got your brokers. And what made you decide to go from, I'm selling real estate, I'm doing this thing, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go all out. I'm going to be a broker. Goodness. Um, in 2005, five or six, I met my now husband, Todd, and I was showing him rental property and I was now single. Um, and he, and he called me one day and he said, Hey, um, I was thinking that you would be amazing at running a real estate office why don't we do this thing together and I was like you're a fool this was before you got with him (laughs) like okay (laughs) yeah he was he was um he had just been divorced and I was just divorced and he wanted rental property with his friend John Gillum and um needless to say that didn't that didn't work out well now we have rental property together (laughs) but um I sold him a couple units and I guess he just 
felt like I was a driven, driven person. I was at a Remax in another um, office in Lexington, and and I said, "No, I'm not doing that. You're crazy." And he came back to me again, and he said, "I'm not kidding. Like I really think you can run an office." And I and I threw out the gauntlet, and I said, "Well, if I, we're going to do it, it has to be a Remax." And I thought that would make him go away because of you know buying a franchise and all that stuff. And he called me about a week later, and he said, "We have a meeting with the uh, the division." <laughs> Uh, franchise sales of Remax in a week. Can you make it? Wow! And I was like, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Todd's a doer, man. He's like, we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna set it up, and you know, that's. I think that's kind of who you are too. So. Yeah. He. It was. It, we're we're very very much alike. We've taken a couple personality tests, and we have come out the same person every time. It's pretty insane. I don't know how we don't kill each other, but well, it works. You know. <laughs> so you. You, he convinces you to open this brokerage and then you got together like romantically. Five years later. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know this. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Five years later, he, he finally convinced me that. So Todd is like this almost like silent partner, like this behind the scenes. He never really comes in. He never does anything. He just lets you run the show. Mm -hmm. Like you do it all. So. I'm a new agent, let's say. I'm I'm looking to I'm looking to be in a brokerage. I don't know where to go. Um why would I come to Remax Elite and what what kind of qualities would you be looking for for someone to come to Remax Elite? So I guess this takes me back to my story. Um a couple of days ago I did a, a Facebook video like what is your story? What did you how did you get where you are? And I told my story. And it comes back to my story as I was a, a agent in a little mom and pop shop brokerage for a year and a half uh, when I first got my license. Within three months of me being at this office, uh, my broker got breast cancer and she had to have a double mastectomy and she had to, um, she was down and out for about six months because she had chemo and all this other stuff. So I was literally a brand new agent on my own figuring it out with no understanding of what the heck I was doing. So bad so that Maxine Literal was the first agent I ever did a deal with. And when I wrote an offer, do you know Maxine? I don't. She's amazing. She's like 100. I'm telling you, the lady (laughs) has had two hip replacements and she's still selling houses. One time, side note, she told me a story. She still owns the very first house she ever bought. It was on like 3rd Street. She paid $5,000 for it. She still owns it. She's amazing. You need to interview Maxine Literal. You need I to will find her. Um, but anyway, she um, the the only history that I'd ever had with real estate was when I bought my own house and it was new construction. So when I fast forward a couple of years when I was in real estate, the very first offer I wrote, I put a three month closing date out because on my experience, it was three months and I had no I had no training. I was there here, Christy. Go do it. Have fun. So anyway, the um, the whole story uh, winds up with that I was there with her for a year and a half. In a year and a half, I made twenty thousand dollars in GCI. You okay. can't live on twenty thousand dollars. I know. I know. <laughs> GCI. It's painful. <laughs> uh, it's because that's before the tax man. That's before right. splits. That's before everything. And I was just, I was stressed out. I was frustrated, and I was like, you know what? There has to be something else. I can't fight the battle of branding myself and branding this company that nobody knows. So a lot of other people, I think this says a lot about you. I mean, a lot of other 
this is what a lot of real estate, new real estate agents go through. Mm-hmm. You know, my first year, I probably made, I didn't even make that. And, you know, they just quit. They mm-hmm. just leave. They say, well, this is not for me. I didn't work hard enough or the cards just didn't fall on the table for me. You went to another brokerage mm-hmm. and you were like, this, it changed your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I sought out, um, I looked at all the local brands and then I looked at all the big brands that I thought, you know what? Remax has probably got it. And I went and met with their broker. So fast forward a year and a half later, it's 9-11. The day after I switched companies, it's 9-11. I walk into the office and it is like crickets. In my gut, I'm going, what have I done? Uh, the whole world is ending today. Like this is my life. And um, from September 11th when I switched to the end of that year, and the only thing I changed was my brokerage name because my drive and my ambition was exactly the same. I made $60,000 in GCI. I'll never forget it. So in just just by changing companies, mm-hmm. you made a living wage. Mm-hmm. Here you are, a single mom. You were like, I can do this. I can pay for I can pay for us now. Mm-hmm. I can I f- there is no greater feeling than thinking about those 4 months at the beginning of my career. You will never convince me differently. That when you're a new agent, if you sideline with a company that doesn't have any branding or any real strong exposure, you want that big, huge elephant to walk in the room before you do because it gives you um, education and professionalism and experience that you don't have yet. It Perception is everything. I agree. Um, so I'm a new agent. Why... Why would you want me? Why? What makes me a Remax Elite agent uh, versus someone that you would say, you know, I think you'd be better fit somewhere else? Well, first things first, you have to be full time. We had that discussion when you came. By on. the way, I was not. <laughs> I was the only agent that Christy Gooch hired that was part time. But your other job some, was what? Sales. I sold. Yeah. I sold airplanes. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I, I had a big book of business with me too when I came, and I was like, "I want you to look at this. These are my upcoming clients," and she was like, "All right, I'm going to trust you." And she <laughs> and did. you've killed it since then. I'm <laughs> <She> really, <did. laughs> really glad I took the chance, and I'm glad you came over, and it's been amazing since then. But you did. I remember sitting there with you that night. It was after work at five o'clock, and. And you were like, but look, and you shoved this book of business yes. across the table. And I was like, okay, this girl's got it. <laughs> she just needs the opportunity. And that's a yeah. lot of what it is, is someone needs to give you an opportunity. So the first things first is you've got to have a compelling reason, like you did. The majority of it is you have to be full-time. Uh, Remax doesn't take agents that aren't full-time because it's, a pers- like I said, perception's reality. If you're at work nine to five, you can't answer the phone, you can't show houses. How in the world are you going to be able to spend the time? to build your business. The second thing is, is you've got to, you've got to have it. And it is just charisma, a good personality, um, the drive inside of you that, that I can see, which is what I saw in you, um, in which you will make a wonderful agent and you won't give up at the first hard turn. Can you talk about, so I know how many of your agents are capping out, but can you can you tell us how many of your agents are capping out? We have a 98% cap rate. That's insane. It is insane. And how many agents are in the Lexington office, the Richmond, and then uh, Richmond's the new office, mm-hmm. and then the Nicholasville? We have 15 in Lexington, uh, in Richmond. We have 15. 
13 or 14. We've gotten two new agents in Nicholasville in the last couple of weeks. Um, we ha- And then in Lexington, we have about 50. So total, okay. we've got about 65 or 70. So that's 70 people that the majority of them are capping out. Mm-hmm. 98%. Yeah. It's been consistent every year, which the meaning for the reason it's good to find an agent that caps out is because, one, they're productive. And there's a saying, if you play if you play ball with better players, your game naturally improves. And then two, um, it means that our caps are obtainable. It's not so expensive. It's not so crazy high that nobody can obtain to pay in the cap of the company. That's true. It's, it's true. So we talked about um, that you want to hire full-time realtors. Uh, we all know that this industry has a terrible reputation. You and I have talked about this before that um, there's a lot of just there's just a lot of really bad people in our industry. And that's a fact. It's true. Um, how how do we change that? How do you on a broker level move past that and say, you know, we got to we got to we got to do better than this back in 2008 and nine when the or before 2008 and 9 when the market crashed back in 2001 when the market was really good we saw the same influx of anybody and everybody that wanted to sell real estate jumped in the market because when the market's hot it's easier to make um, it's easier to make money so it's just a cycle and i think that it'll eventually fix itself to where over the course of the next 2 or 3 years we're going to see a down a downturn in how many agents are in the market so i feel like it'll fix itself but with that said, when you have an influx of new in anything, it's going to be a little disruptive to the agents that have been in it for eight or 10 or nine years. So I I believe in my heart of hearts that it needs to be a little bit harder to get into our business. Um, if we want to be held with the same respect level as doctors and lawyers, it doesn't take a doctor and a lawyer 96 hours sitting in a chair to be able to operate on you or to be able to go into an, um, an office and fight your case in front of a judge or a courtroom and fight your case in front of a judge. So if it's only going to take 96 sitting in a classroom chair hours of um, getting your real estate license, we need to up the ante. It's not always about how much it costs to be at the board or how much it costs to be in an in, um in an office, it's about how do you actually get into the profession. A couple of years ago, they changed the rules, so now they have post-licensing education. So every agent that's come on since like 2015 or 16. Yeah, I think, so I got my license here in 2015, and I was not part of that group. So it must have been. So it was right after me. They have to take more classes. But it hasn't really stopped this influx. flow of, of just terrible, terrible people. There are other offices that take pretty much whomever. Um, I think my personal opinion, it's on the broker. Like, I don't know how we're going to stop people from getting their license and trying this out. That doesn't mean that the broker needs to hire them, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, when you look at the brokerage model, even in Canada, brokers are, you know, agents in Canada are like on a 98, 99% split because the brokerage model is actually very less income producing than Wait, you're saying think. that the that the brokerage only takes one percent absolutely in Canada. so their agents are taking 99 percent of their commissions mm-hmm. all the time so how are the brokerages making they're enough not. money they're not so that's the key the more agents 
the more money, right. the more income. So when you look at it that way, if you've got a brokerage that's got two or 300 agents or 150, fine, you can have as many as you want. I'm not saying that it's bad, but I'm saying if you have no clear guidelines of everybody has to be full-time or everybody has to be, you know, this has to be their main source of income or this has to be their main focus, and you just hire whomever you want, any brokerage that does, it's because they know the profitability in a brokerage isn't as high as it used to be probably in the 70s when it was a constant 70-30 split and it never yeah. ended. Yeah. Well, there are still companies that are doing that. And that's mm-hmm. that's really interesting to me that that, that, is, that model is still around. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to those agents, their response is, I'm old school. I'm like, old school means you're losing all your money. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they get comfortable, and when the average age of a broker or the average age of a realtor is fifty seven right now, yeah, and it's getting it's going to increase. Is that nationwide or is that here in in Elbar? That's nationwide. I would say Elbar's is closer to fifty eight or fifty. I'd say it's a little older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We get, but we got some we got some good veterans out there. We do, which is still interesting though that they are a lot of those people don't they don't have to take classes anymore. They've you know, they're grandfathered out. If you've been a realtor, I think it's either 72 or 74. Uh, since 1972 or 74, you don't have to take any CE. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? Those people are fun to work with. Yeah, they need that. I, I think everybody <laughs> needs CE. And I wish, I honestly am, am, would wish that they would increase our CE every year. I don't mind going and, I mean, I leave for NAR tomorrow. So I don't mind going and getting educated because it makes me a better realtor. It makes me a better person. Yeah, I I don't have any complaints with you that. You just came back from Zillow, so I yeah, did. You... I just came back from Zillow. I learned some really interesting things. So let's let's talk about that. Let's okay. talk about it. What are your thoughts on this iBuyer thing to come? I did learn a lot about about iBuyer and and Zillow iBuyer and and what they're doing. Um, I talked to. An agent in Phoenix has been selling real estate for one year. Uh, he's killing it. But he said that all of his listings, every single listing that he has, Zillow makes him an offer. What city? Phoenix? Phoenix. Arizona. And a huge market. That's the testing market for every company. They go to Phoenix. But every single listing that he takes, Zillow makes him an offer. And he said it's extremely low, it's embarrassing, it's insulting to his clients. But he's, you know, but at Zillow, they want to tell you that it's market value, we're not lowballing anybody, but this is from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. They are offering wholesale, and that's fine. I get it. They have to make money too. But I mean, I thought that was really interesting that they're. Making an offer on every single listing that he has. So he doesn't even initiate the offer. They come out and make they it They come earth. to him. Yeah. They will call him and be like, hey, this is Zillow. We want to make you an offer on Main Street, you know. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't sold any of them to Zillow. Well, they say, I've heard statistics that it's Zillow or iBuyers in general are like 3% of the market. So I have a slide of, of the actual from Zillow, from the conference, Currently, their iBuyer is about 0.5% of the market. In three to five years, they want to be, um, they want to be that 1%. They want to be the 1% of the entire national market. Correct. 
Which let me is make a sure, huge amount. Let me make Think sure I've that. got that right. If I was 1% of five. I know. What is it? Five billion transactions a year? Yeah, here it is. In three to five years, we aim five to be billion. bigger. 1% of all U.S. transactions. And today we are small, 0.02% of homes in the U.S. It's, I've got some really interesting interesting slides. 55% of the first-time buyers are also considering renting. Um, that's not surprising. And 81% of customers said they'd be likely to sell their home on Zillow. 81%. Based on what? I don't know. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> on, on what questions I guess did they, they ask I guess Zillow has asked their clientele, um, would you ever consider selling your home with us? And 81% of, of Zillow people, now these are people that know and work with that brand, said that they would consider selling their home to Zillow. Okay, so I just did a Google search because I'm I love it. I love any I know, analytics, I love anything, you. anything <laughs> analytical. I love. Um, so total home sales in the United States in 2018 there were 5.96 million houses sold. One percent of that. I'm horrible at math. So one percent of 5.96 million is what 596,000 transactions is what Zillow's aiming for. 59,000, so almost 60,000 homes, right? 60,000? No, it would be like 600,000 because it's a billion. Thank you. That's right. It's a billion, right? Yes. Is my math right? <laughs> don't ever, don't, I can multiply by three and six, honey. I can't do it. Very early for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's 600,000 transactions is what they're. I don't know about lot. you, but I would love to have 1% of just the Lexington market. That's a lot. So when they say our buyers are just 3% of our market currently right now, that's 1.8 million transactions. That's it. That's an interesting number to me. I mean, because you see 3% seems so low. It's not. 3% do it doesn't seem low. When you're thinking of commissions, we work for 3% and we're happy with that. So, you know, 3% is quite a lot of money, yeah. quite a lot of homes. Quite a lot of... Quite a lot of transactions, a lot of sellers, a lot of buyers. But on the flip side, if you have 600,000 transactions that are Zillow, then you still have billions and billions and billions that aren't. So I think what it's gonna what is going to happen is this buy-buyer market will pick up in these real big um, cities where there's a, there's a cluster of houses and there's a fight for um, nothing is on the market and you can't build anything and you can't grow anymore it sounds a little familiar christy oh, it does a little bit doesn't it now lexington's <laughs> not as bad as chicago lexington's no, no, not no. as bad as other cities where you can't even afford the housing anymore we haven't hit that right. market yet but in 20 years mark my word i'll be 60 oh jesus <laughs> in 20 years i don't think uh, a first-time home buyer will be able to afford to live in lexington uh, that's fair to say i mean i hear it all the time now that you know, it's getting more and more expensive. People are going to Winchester and Nicholasville. Mm -hmm. uh, Georgetown is way far surpassed even Lexington on affordability. But mm -hmm. it's interesting. So I also learned about the new Zillow model called Flex. Mm -hmm. Quite similar to Op City, mm -hmm. um, which we are using in and Remax Elite. We are using Op City. Um, some people are liking it. Some people are not. Um, I, I don't know yet. That's 
a lot of Zillow people were saying that they are they're not going to make it. That this Realtor.com op city thing that they're not going to they're just not going to survive. I don't know. Who knows? We had an agent close four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in on it, so it's working for somebody. Yeah. But um, their model is going to be premier agents. So if you are a premier agent, you're paying for Zillow, you have, let's say you're best of Zillow, you have that 91 score and up, you are going to be able to participate in Flex. Uh, supposedly, um, I don't know how long that's going to be until it gets here, but... A couple years, is that what they said, maybe? Yeah, I think three to five. Are they testing it anywhere right now? They're testing it in uh, Phoenix. Um, and uh, several markets in uh, Connecticut, which I did talk to a lot of people that worked up there. What makes Connecticut so fantastic? I don't know. It's one of those tester markets. Hmm. Probably high price point. I don't know. And uh, it's rolling out in Atlanta. Uh, It just rolled out in Atlanta about a week or two ago. So that's a big market to roll that out. That is a big market. I heard that they tried to do it a couple years ago and it bombed and they pulled everything back. Well, here's why I, I did ask them about that. It did bomb because they let it, they they modeled it similar to Op City. They let just, they let the whole brokerage participate. And what they found was that 99% of people can't work an online lead. So they... They thought, oh, man, we're losing money. You know, we're not getting paid until you get paid. So they pulled that back. Now it's going to be only open to premier agents, supposedly. Uh, who knows? Um, but the more you close, the more leads you're going to get. They're saying that people have tripled, you know, 10x their business from this flex model. Well, I can say that if they're if they're matching Op City, then the the more you close, the more you get is true. Because the agent, can I say her name or no? Yeah, go ahead. Brittany Ogata closed three Op City, and now she gets really, really good leads. And an agent, if I hadn't closed any, I'm still at the bottom fighting for the not bad leads. No lead's a bad lead, but um, fighting for the leads that are less income-producing probably. But once I close one or two, then they're going to move me right up the list, and they'll start giving me the really, the really good stuff. But I think that's a great way— this is my new word. I feel like I've said it like five or six times in the last week to suss out. Oh, <laughs> that's a big word, right? Um, to to get rid of the the agents that don't do the follow up. I have a question for you, Tiffany. Do you know how many times it takes to follow up with an online lead before the average consumer responds? I don't know. Seven. Okay. Do you know how many times an agent follows up before they give up? Probably two. Two. Yeah, two. So you just have to hit the eighth, and then you put them on a rotating uh, 30-day follow-up plan. And this is a good time for me to say something about Booge. Booge is our new CRM, and it will tell you that you haven't talked to them in 30 days. So it gives you an idea of who you have missed out on, and then at the top of the page or somewhere on the page, it tells you how much income you have in your pipeline. Oh. it's for exciting stuff. <laughs> Um, so let's go back again to when you were selling real estate. Did, were you working mostly buyers or sellers? In the beginning, I think all new agents start out with buyers buyers because they're the ones that you meet at open houses. They're the ones that you meet, um, at the grocery store. They're the ones that come up to you and just, oh, I'm looking to buy a house. Are you a realtor now? 
I think when you're a new agent, I think the majority of your business is buyers. Now, fast forward 20 years, because now I'm, like I said, old, um, I will I will say that the majority of my stuff is listings. Okay. But I have a team. I don't, I don't, I want to make sure that I mention that I'm not a um, competing broker. So I've got a team that, that helps me. I don't go out and dig up business every day. That team just being Gina? Just being Gina. Gina, Gina and the 60-some <laughs> agents that yes. work at our office. Yes. <laughs> um, so how did you, as an individual agent, generate generate business back then? Oh, I have a fun story. I love story. your story about the uh, the mall. That's that what I was going to I tell. love that. Tell, tell so it, girl. It was like Chris, around Christmas or November or something, and the mall parking lot was packed. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do to get enough attention where people will will have to t- you know see my name or whatever? So I went and printed seven hundred flyers. Seven hundred flyers don't go far away in the mall parking lot. Just so you know, that's like from Macy's. That's like two rows. Yeah, that's like from Macy's yeah. to the end of Macy's. But um, back then it was Macy's. But the um, so I passed out seven hundred flyers on a Saturday and Sunday at the at Fayette Mall, and I got seven phone calls. There's some things That's in your crazy. memory that you never will forget. That's crazy. I used to pass out flyers at apartment complexes on Sunday because that's when the staff was. Are in you the allowed to do office. that? Because they say no soliciting in the front. My answer for your podcast is no, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> I will also mention that the management offices are generally closed on a Sunday. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and by the time they get back Monday, the stuff is mysteriously <laughs> Hey, gone. here you go. Stop wasting your money. <laughs> Stop wasting your money. And then I actually made really good friends with um, a management um, office over off of uh, the corner of Richmond Road in Manowar. I can't say the place just in case she still works there. I don't want to get her in trouble. And she would let me pass out flyers all the time to her tenants in the apartment complex. It was like probably Well, they're going to roll it over anyway. They're going to get another tenant. So who cares? She told me she didn't care because she got a sign-on bonus every time somebody moved out and someone else moved in. So it benefited her. Oh. So, but I sold a lot of properties just passing out flyers, legwork, free legwork advertising where it doesn't cost you anything but printing and time. And when you're a new realtor, you got a ton of time. So what advice would you give to to me as a brand new, I'm a brand new realtor. I've never worked in this business before. I don't have any sales experience and you, you know, you took a chance and hired someone like me uh, to your brokerage. What do you do? What do you tell them? Well, I'm going to tell them the same thing that I tell our mentors now is that you have got to get out there and you have to be belly to belly, eyeball to eyeball. You've got to see the whites of people's eyes and you can't hide behind a computer. Um, If you're out there and you're talking to people and you're showing them how passionate you are, because most new realtors are full of piss and vinegar and they're totally passionate about what they're doing and um, they're the biggest and the best in the business. Yes. And they, you've got to let people see that. They can't see that on a computer screen. They can't see that. So you don't tell them to spend money on this or that or Zillow or leads or whatever. One of our most successful new agents that came into the business about two years ago, she spent a ton of money on Zillow. She spent a ton of money on um, Realtor.com. She spent a ton of money with um, Homes.com. She's done great. She's done exceptional. So, yeah, you can still do that if you have the money, but we're talking about an agent like myself who right. had just made $20,000 in a year and a half. I didn't have two nickels to run together, let alone <laughs> $300, 400 $500 to spend at Zillow. So I just, um, you know, I, I really feel like that the old, the old, um, old timey or old school way of 
of belly to belly is a, is a lost art in our in our new agent society that we have right now. So what makes you, uh, Christy Gooch, passionate about this? Why are you? What, you know? Passionate about real estate or passionate about managing agents? Um, either one, both. Either one? Um, passionate about managing agents because I feel like the there's a lot of brokerages in our town that have brokers that are, um, they place not second fiddle to the staff in the office, but they aren't engaged every day. They aren't in the in the trenches or they don't understand what's on the market or they don't know what's going on day to day with realtors in our business. When you have a when you have a company or you have a model that's built on um, someone who's other than the broker of the office being the face of the office and the for, being in the forefront and there all the time, then I think that the broker and the agent lose that connection. They're not connected. So I think I believe the way we have our office structured and the fact that I'm there all the time and I'm I'm in front of it and I know what's going on in the market and any agent can call me at any time except after 830 because I'll be asleep <laughs> and talk to me um, and get answers to questions and, and know that I've got their back. I really feel like that that makes our office a little different than the than the average office. Number two, passionate about real estate. It's what has fed my family for 20 years. It's the only thing I know. Think about it. I've been doing this since I was 19. That's, wow. That's all I got. <laughs> I mean, if I had to go tomorrow and start a bread factory, we would starve. <laughs> but um, but I'm just saying, you know, it's it's everything, it's everything within me, real estate. There's there's like nothing else. We're, we're people that can't really do anything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance all this? You own three brokerages. You have, you have a family. Uh, you have older children, the two of them are getting married soon. You have younger children. You know, how do you stepchildren? I mean, <laughs> a property management company. Right. You run property management. You had a husband yeah. that owns a, uh, development, a company. development company. So you guys are doing that stuff too. And you own rental property. Uh, how do you, how do you balance all this? It's, it's, um, it's, it, to be real, it's a struggle. Um, and, and most days, at the end of the day, I'm tired. But um, the reality of it is, is we we have great staff. That was me. Sorry. That's okay. So unprofessional. You're busy. You're busy. It's, a um, it's, a, it's a fake call telling uh, me I need to order health insurance. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a wonderful staff, and I have a wonderful teammate. I mean, I couldn't do... Well, I mean, we still probably do eight, eight and a half, nine million. And I know that's a small number, but that's just residual business. That's not even me going out and seeking new clients, um, uh, Gina. And then I have a wonderful staff at the office, and I'm telling you, it takes a village. So I was going to say, how do you stay organized with all this? But I know you, you have a team of people that under you that do it for you, you know? Yes, and Todoist is my best friend. Todoist is an app on my phone that I use. And um, I have groups of people. So like Kim has her own Todoist list. Melissa, Crystal, our new director of growth, Paul Bradley. He um, has his own Todoist. You'll get to meet him today. I don't know this person. You'll like him. You'll like him. Um, But anyway, he, um, he, every, their way of communicating with me of things that need to be done is through Todoist. So it eliminates emails, it eliminates text messages, 
and um, we stay on top of it. And when the task is done, it goes away. Until it's done, it stays right there. So it stays in your face. And I can add them. They can add them. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, awesome. Never you... heard of it. But now you know. <laughs> um, so when you were getting started, did you, did you try to specialize in anything? Because I've heard this, you know, you need to be a niche. You need to find your niche. You need to have, they call it an elevator speech. You know, you're stuck in an elevator with someone they ask you what you do, and you have to right there. Well, you know, I'm a I only I'm a real estate agent. I only work relocation, or I'm a real estate agent referral only agent. Uh, things like that. Do you think it's important to have that niche um, to specialize in something, or or not? My niche was selling houses when I was young and. And so no, had milk on the lips. No, um, I I think your your niche is is almost created for you by which the way that you get into the business. If that makes sense. So if I'm in a, if I have a lot of investment property and I decide to get my real estate license, my niche is automatically going to be investors or investments for me as a as an agent. Your niche is that you're cool, hip, and young. And you migrate. Yeah, but that won't last forever. I'll but be old and ugly someday. So will your clients. <laughs> They'll move up just with you. And that's what I have found is the people that I sold houses to back when I first got my real estate license. I've now sold, I've, I can think of one family, uh, one, two, three. I've sold her three houses. And she's went from a newlywed to we have to move because we're having a baby to we have to move again because our babies are old enough to go to school to we have to move again to our final place because... I'm ready to live, you know, it, where I wanted to live for the last 20 years. Um, so I think your niche is created based on your sphere of influence. And then if you want to jump into a new niche and brand yourself in a new way. That's it's, hard to do. It is hard, but you have to be that person already. Does that make sense? Like you, It does. It, it has to be inside you. There's an agent in our office that I was talking to. We had a mastermind or something in there, and he... He was saying how he really wanted to get these millennial buyers. Do you remember this? He, I, I want to work millennial buyers. I need to work younger people. Um, and I was yeah. like, why? You know, that's not who you are. I can't work older people. I can, mm. but that's a very small, small percentage of who I'm working. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why don't you focus on people that you're already working with, you're already selling to? Work those people. Mm -hmm. Right. That's your spear. Work mm -hmm. those people. Like-minded. You'll, you'll gravitate to the people that that you are alike. It's That's just true. human nature. That's yeah. true. I never—that is such a weird phenomenon to me mm -hmm. of just a cold, a random cold Zillow lead will come mm -hmm. through, and they are—they're my age. They're millennials. I always sell to those people. Mm -hmm. We just fit. Mm -hmm. um, and I never—it's a strange thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so let's see. I'm I'm your friend. I've been your friend for years. Let's say I'm your neighbor. Um, I'm starting to get. I'm starting to think about retirement. Mm -hmm. And I'm Chrissy. You know, I'm thinking about getting my real estate license. What do you say? <laughs> I want to. I want to retire in this business. I don't want to work in a factory anymore, mm -hmm. or a school teacher, or whatever. I want to get my real estate license. I want to make money. Yeah. So I had a conversation with an agent last week. And she thought she wanted to be a realtor because she had done uh, banking her whole life. And so she, she knows money. She knows money. And she called me 
um, about a week ago, and she goes, I don't know what made me think that I could be a realtor and slow down. No. Retirement and real estate are oxymorons. You've got to hustle. Man, I know them. I know those people. Yeah, to be in real estate. You've got to hustle to go out and get new business. It's not a, hey, everybody that knows me, loves me, and likes me is going to send me deals, and I'm just going to sit on my back porch and drink coffee and write contracts. That is totally opposite of what what people think, though. Real estate. How do we change that image? How do we? How do we change that? Stop posting toes in the sand. Please (laughs) stop posting toes in the sand, saying you sold three houses this week while you were at the beach. They didn't see the sixty-five other steps or the eight hundred other calls that you got to get those listings, or the five years worth of work that you had to do to get to the position you're in now. It's just like. Uh, musicians and it's just like actors you only know them when you see them on the screen and you think well if julia roberts who's my favorite can do that well by golly i can do that right, right. well you didn't know that she was a waitress for three she, years she sleeping was. in her car really i mean was. i'm making it up i don't know i think she really was okay. a waitress though yeah. but you don't see all that you only see what's on screen today and when she flashes her trademark smile i, I, I would be interested to know like of all the celebrities, you know, how many of these act there's a ton of actors out there. Mm-hmm. How many of them make that top, top level? Um, I know the percentage of realtors, what is it, three percent are selling uh ninety percent or what is it? So it's like the eighty twenty rule. But when I taught real estate classes, oh, I forgot to tell you, I taught real estate school, APES Michael, and Gina was one of my students and actually a few other agents that are still in the business were my students. And I said in a class, I said, look to your left, now look to your right, those people are going to be gone. Only one out of every five licensed real estate agent is actually successful. Successful being how many transactions? Successful meaning staying in the business beyond three years. Okay. Because the first three years, you're make it or break it. Well, I mean, I could be a, you know, I could be a housewife and, you know, I I have a wealthy husband and I've had my license for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I sell... I might sell one home a year. That's my neighbor's kind of thing. I mean, is that success successful? No. You know, that's. I don't think. I think success is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. So if you if that's success to you, great. I think that's more of a hobby. Do you want a realtor representing you? This is just me. I'm not bashing any realtor that decides one or two is good enough for them. That's yeah. That's not me at all. Do your thing. But um, <laughs> do you want a realtor that comes to the closing table every three or four months, or do you want a realtor that comes to the closing table three or four times a month? Which one do you want representing you? As a consumer, I mean, think about it. Do I want a car mechanic that's only fixed one motor in his 20 years of life? Or do I want a car mechanic that sees motors every day and knows how to fix them? But here I am, a brand new agent. I've never closed before. And I'm only at the closing table one time. It's so intimidating when people, you're talking to a buyer. Oh, how many homes have you sold? Not one. None. (laughs) (laughs) You please (laughs) stick with me. Um, I I have a listing right now. She's a listing and she's buying from me. And she's one of my really, really good friends. And I, I just admitted to her. It's been five years. I said, look, I sold, I sold you a townhouse five years ago you were probably the second or third buyer that I ever worked. And she was like, I had no idea. She had no clue. See, you fake it till you make it. You can. That gets kind of scary. It is scary. Just like me writing an offer, my very first one. We'll close in three months. What? 
<laughs> it doesn't take three months to close on a house. It takes 30 to 45 days. But the only experience I had was that we had to wait three months to close on our own house. I get so scared of that fake it till you make it because if I'm a, a residential agent and I sell 13 homes a year and I all of a sudden I meet this guy that wants to buy commercial, mm-hmm. I'm going to fake it till I make it. That can get really dangerous. It can get really dangerous. But in that situation, when it's completely a new niche and it's not anything you've ever experienced, I would say buddy up with someone in the office and and work with them. And then at least you'll make something rather than nothing. And you'll learn a ton along the way. Yeah. So what is next for REMAX Elite? Uh, Where do you want to go with with the brokerage? Do you want to get bigger? You know what? I've never, and and you can ask anybody in our office, I've never said that I wanted more than 75. And we're really close to that right now. My dream, and this is really uh, laying my cards on the table, I guess. My dream is to um, have an office downtown and run that office. I've already got the logo and everything ready to go. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to jump in. And Another REMAX broker is going to listen and they're going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to beat them to the punch. Um, but um, I, that's that's kind of sort of, you know, my next play, I think. And um, I really feel like that um, there's a, uh, a need for um, an office that is well There's a lot of, and I don't like the term mom and pop shops, but. That's how I grew up calling them, so it's not a degrading term. It's just it is what. No, it is. I mean Rector Hayden. I guess could be they you started could call as that a mom, a mom and, and pop. I mean they're the aren't, aren't they still the biggest brokerage in town? I'd maybe say, not. I don't know. I'd say they they're pretty. They're close up there with, with KW. Yeah, if you add them all together or whatever. But um, I just there's a lot of little offices downtown, and I think downtown has grown over the last ten years. And I would like to get a piece of that piece of that pie. I really feel like it's. It's something that's going to get stronger and stronger over the course of the next few years. But um, I would say, you know, it's no secret that my husband is several years older than me. So I would say 10 or 15, maybe closer to 10 years down the road, I'll I'll be looking at some sort of retirement. But who knows? Are you going to move to Florida and be a golden girl? No, but Golden Girls is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> That's my dream. <laughs> be, gold, be gold as in tan? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That'll never happen for me, but me either. I'm a redhead. You're dark-haired. You should, you should be able. I'm, I'm redhead. very I'm Irish. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. I just, I don't know. I, I think that... Um, so if you, when, when the time comes and you and Todd decide to retire, uh, I can't imagine Todd or you retiring. You seem busier than you've ever been. Um Will you stay here? Mm-hmm. We have we'll have family here. All our families here. All well, our properties still, here. You'll run the brokerage. You'll mm-hmm. still you'll yeah. still do your thing. Yeah, I'll do yeah. my thing. Okay. I think that's all I have. Um, I, thanks for being my guest today. I appreciate it. Thank you for being part of the Wokeridge. Wokeridge, that's so cool. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited, and it was really fun. All right. Thanks, Christy. Thank you, everyone, for listening.